Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We're joined today by... uh by a guy that recently retired. I, I think I say I recently retired, but I don't think anyone has uh, retired as recently as this guy. Um, he's played close to uh, or over 175 professional games, you know, probably even more than that with all the competitions uh, he played in. Uh, he's an MLS Cup champion, way to go out on top. He's a college cup champion, went out on top there as well. But uh, please welcome to the podcast, Harry Ship. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, where, where are you? Uh, where are you at these days? I know you just retired, but uh, you know, wh- wh- where are you at? Yeah, we actually like retired last, I think, Tuesday. So just over a week ago now, um, we packed up all our stuff and then drove 35 hours from Seattle to um, Louisville, Kentucky, where my wife's from this weekend. So I've just been kind of hanging out, enjoying the first couple of days of retirement by the pool, which has been nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a good way. I, I retired and went right, right to work, but. Um... <laughs> I think you're. I think you're doing it right. So, um, well, you know, you are a uh, you are a soft-spoken guy. I got to know you over the years through the uh, the MLS PA stuff. So I appreciate you uh, being in front of the camera today. Uh, crazy times we're in, and um, you know, I, I'll get into the retirement. I kind of want to end on that. Yeah. But uh, I always like to throw it back to the beginning. Uh, but before we do that, you know, I very rarely reach out to people when I'm doing my homework for these uh, former players and. And I happen to know a lot of guys you played with because, you, you know, you were on some, some, uh, some pretty cool teams. You had some cool teammates and some, uh, I say not cool teammates, the <laughs> guys I didn't like playing against. But, um, and I was t- it was a reoccurring theme here. And it was the first thing, and I don't want to get you beat up when you're walking around the streets, but they told me, they, uh, multiple people told me to ask you uh, how much money you have in your wallet right now. <laughs> I actually swear to God, I don't care a wallet anymore. So okay. I have to- I got guys used to give me such a hard time my first couple of years in the league um, that now I literally just have a phone case with a credit card and ID and that's all I carry. Okay. So you're not, you're not strapped, strapped with cash. Like no, you used I, used to be, to, huh? I went from, and it wasn't even cash. It was just like random, like cards that I had accumulated over the years. I just kept all in one place. So I didn't lose them. And I completely ditched that and I've gone the extreme opposite. And now I just literally carry credit card and, and ID and that's it. All right. Well, I, I mean, it when more and more people say that, that's like, what is the story behind Who this? Who said that? Uh, don't worry. I, I don't disclose <laughs> my sources. I know. It was 100% uh, Chicago because I haven't done that in five years, probably. Okay. Well, yeah, I realize I know a lot of guys you went to college with. And that's, okay. where, that's, that's where we'll start with this. Uh, you know, you're a, you're a Notre Dame guy. Yeah. Uh, tell us about, you know, I, I know you have a big family. You're the oldest of four. I'm the youngest of four, and I, I probably have more in common with your your younger sister than uh, than than you. But um, you know, tell me about what was your you're a successful guy all through through your whole career up until uh, you know until you really joined Chicago. But tell me about the decision to go to Notre Dame. It seems like it's a bit of a legacy thing for you with your family. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Chicago, and my mom had gone there, and like her whole family had gone there. So I kind of like grew up drinking that Kool-Aid where we would go to football games like every fall, um, at least, at least once, once a year. So I think I grew up in the environment where like, I just idolized Notre Dame and like, was like, wow, this would be such a cool place to go. Um, and then when I actually started looking at schools when I was in, 
maybe a sophomore or a year of high school. Um, they had a really good soccer team. Like, I knew I wanted to go somewhere that was really good at soccer and it was good academically. And that was just, there was a couple places that I was thinking about, but that was probably like the best combination of the two. And it was like a place I really felt if, if I wanted to become a professional player, which I thought at that time I did, like it was going to be a place that would allow me to do that. And then also I knew I didn't want to stay in soccer forever. Um, so it was going to be a place that would give me something that I could fall back on, um, you know, if and when soccer wasn't my life. <laughs> okay. Well, I know, uh, I know you had a couple of big accomplishments there. Uh, you were, you are one of the, the three captains of the team and y'all, y'all won a national championship, the first national championship, uh, I think ever, right. For the program. Yeah. yeah as far um, as I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think your, your coach there who I actually knew from, I think Stanford, yeah. um, was, was Bobby Clark, a big name in college soccer. And I think he called you the, was it the wizard or the, the wandering wizard? What, what were these college nicknames you had? Wizard. I don't even remember something with wizard in it. It was, uh, <laughs> God, I can't, I cannot remember now. But well, yeah, I, think, it was, I it saw was, an article. I saw a, a ridiculous article. Yeah, and, It was something it was, like that. And I can't, it was remember. a ridiculously well-written article, but it was about how your life should be made into a movie. Um, you know, and it was trying to, to block those things out of my brain. Traditional Notre Dame, uh, you know, there's a reason everyone, uh, there's a lot of, there's a reason a lot of people dislike Notre Dame. Um, yeah but for good reason, but it, you know, it compared, it had a little bit of a Rudy reference in there. Uh, did, you know, did you ever see yourself as like the, the, the soccer version of Rudy? No, I, I did like the movie Rudy when I was growing up, partly because I just, like I said, loved everything about Notre Dame, but no, like I, I had no desire to be, to be that kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're uh, much more talented coming in, especially, uh, but uh, well, you know, you had a couple of big accomplishments. I referred to that earlier, you know, being the captain of a, a team that won the national championship. Um, you were a, a Herman Trophy finalist. I think Patrick Mullins won it the year yeah. that you were there. Yeah, he did that year. Um, but I think the bigger one, which I think is pretty impressive to a lot of other people, was uh, your, your academic. You were, I think it was an academic All-American. You're one of the few in the history of, of Notre Dame to do that. Yeah, I think I was also like – scholar I, don't, I, I it was like the top scholar i think of all of division one men's soccer for that year yeah um, so that one's actually probably much more impressive uh, yeah, i mean that was something my parents were most proud about <laughs> yeah well that that is pretty impressive and uh, i think that'll you know we'll keep coming back to this yeah. this uh this this you know you kind of hinted at it you know you always wanted to do more um you know and in, in my research uh, for this interview I, I noticed that that theme where you always placed a, a big emphasis on your ability to think um, you know, which, which goes back to maybe the label you got uh, when you came, you know, at every level, right? Is this guy yeah. that's a little underwhelming on his size, but his, his ability with his feet and his ability to think is, uh, yeah. is, is pretty impressive. Would you, would you agree with that assessment? Yeah. I mean, I was just someone like even growing up, like I was always the small, like I think my sophomore year of high school was only like five foot. So like for me, I was just, and I grew a little bit late, but I was always someone that was super undersized. I could move and was quick, but was never fast like straight ahead being the same thing in the league so I think over time I was just someone who was forced to think through a game and like the only thing I really had going for me was like knowing one thinking a couple steps ahead of everyone else where the ball was going to end up and then also like knowing where I was what I was going to do with it before I got it and like even in high school and college where you didn't really have to do that um, I was already trying to do that which you know gave me some confidence that like even if you surrounded me with guys that were better technically and faster and bigger like I could still figure out a way to make it work um, okay 
and that was, yeah, it was just something I kind of dealt with my whole life. All right. Well, tell me about, uh, I, I, I think I saw something about the, were you one of the, in the first products of the Academy? Is that, uh, the the Chicago fire Academy? Yeah, I was. And it's kind of funny. Like when I was, when I was 16, so I was a sophomore in high school, the whole Academy system started like before that there was, there was nothing. So I, I was playing for a club in Chicago near my house. And then I moved and started playing for a club called the Chicago magic, which was pretty famous. Um, so like all the, a lot of the best players in Chicago were playing for that magic team. Um, and even though the fire Academy started that year, like not a lot of the best players were playing for it. Cause it was literally the first year the Academy started. And then after like a year and a half of playing with the magic, our coach left and went to the fire. So literally our whole team left and went to the fire. So like, it was kind of one of those things where there wasn't any guys who were playing for academies and signing professionally. So I didn't really have these people to like look up to in that process. It was kind of just by happenstance that I ended up in the fires Academy um, but obviously was super fortunate that because of that, I was able to, to sign out of Notre Dame there. And that was something like I, I really wanted to do. And I was, I was happy that it worked out the way it did. Okay. Did, I don't know from afar. Cause I, I just remember this from when it actually happened. Um, you were kind of one of those, I call them one of the first controversy players, meaning I think there was a lot of questions. I think some stuff happened with some Seattle players all, but they, you know, there was some questions of, the criteria because I think a lot of teams wanted to draft you uh do you remember that yeah at all, I played you... literally like one year and then I went to college and then I played a little bit of PDL my first summer but I didn't really want to do that like you can basically accumulate service time by either playing in the academy or back then I don't know if it's changed was like playing with PDL in the summers and then my second two summers I didn't want to play PDL I told them like I'll train with the first team and like that's great for me but I don't really want to do that and travel around with the PDL so I trained a bunch with the first team those summers, but like those didn't officially count as time served with the club, which is super weird. So when I was coming out, they really only counted like one year and one summer of being in as part of the fire. Okay. So yeah, like I know, I, I just remember originally, I think the league ruled that I wasn't going to be a homegrown. And then I have no idea why they changed it, but they ended up changing it. But I, I, it was one of those situations where like I was happy with it. So I wasn't going to fight their decision. <laughs> Yeah, you wanted to be that's your hometown. You wanted Yeah, to be- it would have been cool. I grew up like literally when they started, I was like seven, maybe seven or eight, um, their first year in the league. And I remember going to games at Soldier Field. And then when they moved out to Toyota Park, I still went to a bunch of games. So it was like one of those things where I like, grew up watching the club. So I was super excited to have the opportunity to play for them. Who did you, who'd you, you watch? Was it my guy, Peter Novak? When you Peter watched Novak, him? yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you like him or no? I did, yeah. It was Peter Novak, like. Uh, like Stoichkov on the teams, Klopas, like Lubos Kubik, like Dima Kovalenko. Okay. Those teams were pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I played. I played for one of those guys, and I played with one of those guys. So uh, it <laughs> nice. gives you a little idea. So, so let's <laughs> talk about. You know, you you come in your first year. You've just won a national championship. You you're, you're feeling like you're on top of the world. Um, talk to me about this first year with with Chicago. Yeah, because um, yeah, it was one of those things like you said. Like you just my first couple years in college, like I always knew I could play, but I didn't really have the stats or anything. So like I wasn't really getting national attention, I guess. And then my, my second couple years, you know, I actually started scoring a bunch of goals and having assists and like we won a national championship. So I think I, I never really was like consciously doubting. Like I never had one doubt for a second that I could be successful that first year. Um, and I remember the first, our first game we were playing at Chivas and I, and I didn't dress. I wasn't in the 18. 
I remember being like, God, this sucks. Like, I hate this. So then we lost to Chivas at away. And then our second game was at Portland. And I went from like not dressing and they basically just like completely decided to change the entire lineup because we played so bad that first game um, that I actually ended up starting that second game and did all right. And then like kind of the rest of the year, um, I don't remember like off the top of my head how many games I started, but I think I played in every single game the last 33. Um, so I think for me, it was just one of those things where I was able to kind of build on that confidence of staying in college four years because even back then and especially now like that's not super common um but I do think for me from like a confidence point of view staying those extra couple years uh like was super important to making me believe that I actually could contribute at that next level okay and then do you remember anyone that made it hard on you or easy on you uh you know who'd you look up to or avoid you know that first that first year the first year, I mean, it's tough. Like we had, we had, a, we had some guys like, I mean, I, I always looked up to Jeff Ronowitz. Like he was someone, um, and I had Logan pause around then. So like we had some really good locker room guys. And then um, like Mike McGee, like he was just someone that I, I admired from a playing point of view because he was kind of similar physically to me. Like he didn't really have anything special about him, but just was a super smart player. And so being able to see guys like that in practice every day, I think, you know, again, gave me confidence, like, all right, I can make it work if I have this right attitude where it's like I come into work and just worry about myself and worry about getting better every single day. Um, but it is so funny looking back, like, yeah, I think those that that first year, especially I was kind of just in like absorb mode, absorb everything from everyone. Um, and I was pretty quiet, I would say those first couple years, partly because I was like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just in this environment where it was very, very different from college. Um, and it was hard too. like our teams weren't very good. So like it, it was, it was one of those things. It was like a huge wake up call from like being in college where we expected to win every game and then going to a situation where like, if we won a game, it was this huge accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think your first year y'all set a record for ties. Yeah, we did. We tied. I think it was like what, 18 or 19 games. Yeah. It, well, I think more than that. I think it was oh, closer to 20 or something but I think y'all and you only won like six games which is pretty tough you know yeah it's, you know I guess it's it's not like you lost uh every game but then again tying everyone is it's no, gotta be yeah and I think especially like tying at home and we tied a lot of games at home I remember and that like it's kind of deflating because you kind of are hoping to collect points at home obviously yeah yeah well you had a pretty good year though I mean you were uh I think you finished second in the uh you know, the second in the rookie of the year voting, right? You, you had, uh, yeah, actually my, my most goals in my career was in my first year. So it was all yeah, downhill. Yeah. It was all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you ended pretty strong, yeah. um, but Tesho Tesh Akindeli got that one at a, in Dallas. I know you beat my guy, Birnbaum in DC. He, he felt like if he had a full year, he would have won, but uh, he probably, he probably would have, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, that, that didn't happen. So uh, you go into the second year and you're kind of hinted at it earlier. Y'all were the, uh, you're the worst team in the MLS from a standing uh, yeah. standpoint. And, uh, you know, I, I know you, you penned a letter, an emotional letter to the fans when, when it was time for you to leave, but walk me through, uh, walk me through getting traded and how you found out and, and what you were thinking. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, halfway through that second year, uh, we had Frank Gallup as our coach and he had gotten fired. So it was like my first, it's just weird. Like it was my first experience with that because I had so much continuity in my life in terms of like who the coaching staff was and then to like walk in one day and I, we kind of knew it might be coming. Um, but to kind of walk in one day and just have that happen was, was a weird first experience. Um, so at the end of that year, like you said, we were pretty terrible. And then I started that third, like we had, um, meetings, like some of the new people who were coming in, 
you know, we had meetings and the, we knew that there was going to be a huge like exodus of players because yeah. of how we had done. So there was, there was this whole, you know, a lot of guys left that year. So I think come, starting that third preseason, I was like the second or third longest tenured guy on the roster. And I had only been there two years. Um, so, I mean, and I had full, co- I was like, all right, you know, I was excited because we had brought in a bunch of talented guys. So I was like completely fine with, you know, I'm totally okay to not start 33 games if our team is better. Like I, I want our team to be better. So like, I don't need to play 90 minutes every game. Um, so I went to preseason with new coaching staff, knew everything for a couple of weeks. And then we got back and it was actually like walking into dinner that night after we got off a plane from preseason trip, I was walking to dinner for Valentine's day with my wife. And I like got a call from my agent. I was like, Oh, this is weird. But like, I just ignored it. And then I got a text from him. It was like, you need to call me back ASAP, which was like really weird for like a Friday night or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I called him and then he told me. Um, and then I literally got a call like one minute later that I did go in the next day to be with our GM. So I was like, all right, well here, here it is. And at that point, I don't even think I knew where yet. And then I think I found out like an hour later from my agent where, and then I literally like was there and then left the next day and went back to the exact same place in preseason that I had been with the fire. <laughs> yeah. And for those that don't know that, uh, that where was, uh, Montreal, uh, were yeah, you, sorry, Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were you, were you pretty, uh, you know, I know in the, in the letter you penned, you were upset, but I mean, how upset were you really? It was one of those things where like up until then in my life, like all these big things that happened to me, decisions, it was all my choice. Like it was been my decision to go to Notre Dame. Like ultimately it was my decision to sign with the fire. Like it was the first thing you have these like life plans for yourself. And like, I had all my family, my wife, girlfriend at the time was living in Chicago. Like everyone like all these people I was close with in my life um, were in Chicago. And I had this like plan. I was like, Oh, it'd be great to stay here my whole career and really like help this franchise turn around because it had been like five years of, of not the best. Um, so at the time I was like, God, this sucks. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go to this other city. Like it could have been anywhere. It wasn't even Montreal specific. Like I just didn't want to go. Um, looking back on it, like it was by far the best thing that's ever happened to me from like a personal growth perspective. And I think, I think it would have been hard for me to ever choose. And I might've gotten there one day to like choose to leave Chicago. Um, but now that I have left and like done my own thing and been in both Montreal and Seattle where like, I didn't know it. Like I don't have friends from home. I don't have friends from college. Like no one I know were in those two cities. So I kind of had to like live my own life and actually figure it out on my own. Um, so like having that for, for five years or so was something that's going to be more beneficial to me long-term in my life than, than staying in Chicago would have been. Okay. And, and from a soccer standpoint, did you, you know, it's funny. I looked at that Montreal team and uh, I remember that team because y'all, y'all walloped us in DC <laughs> in the playoffs at yeah. home. Um, but I mean, on paper, you know, I don't know. It's weird. Like on paper, I feel like, like, I don't know. I would never have thought, oh, that team was pretty stacked. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but in hindsight, like it was a stacked team. Like did, what do you think going into that team? I mean, obviously you were at a team that was, pretty bad but I don't feel like you at the time you probably didn't think this is a huge upgrade no I didn't I didn't really know honestly like I don't I don't even remember my thoughts of what I thought I was going into I think I thought like well it can't be worse from a team point of view like (laughs) like, if if anything it's going to be better yeah Um, like as sad as that is to say um I didn't really know and I think you know I, I played a good amount when I first went there and then you know my first like two months I played absolutely terribly and I think 
for me, it was like the first time in my life that something like wasn't going my way. And like, I had never, ever dealt with not having confidence on the field before. Like my entire life, it was like, all right, I have this confidence or all of a sudden it was gone. So I think figuring out how to get that back over the course of the year, because I went through a spell in the middle of the year where I wasn't really playing, um, which was like also huge for me to like get over that mental hurdle. And then I was playing a little bit and then we had a bunch of guys, like we kind of changed late in the year. I remember how we started playing and we basically went to being a straight transition team, which because yeah. we had, we had Piotti, we had Oduro, we had all these guys that were like super fast and really good in transition, um, which like obviously is not my game at all. So like for me, it was like, all right, I'm happy our team's doing well, but like this doesn't really suit my style of play because I'm probably the slowest person on the field no matter where I'm playing. Um, so I think, yeah, it was kind of this weird thing where like I didn't really expect us to make the Eastern Conference Finals. But then like over the course of that last like five games of the regular season, we just kind of like figured out how to play at the right time and then also just got hot at the right time. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny looking back because I haven't really thought about that in, in a few years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for those that don't know, they got they were in that wild uh, yeah. wild finish with with Toronto. Um, you know, that was probably one of the better uh, the, entertaining matches. The of, game, I don't even I don't even remember that. The first leg of that at home was when they like mispainted the box. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird. Like everything <laughs> yeah. about it was kind of was kind of weird. Yeah. But I mean, I remember just from a DC perspective, like we were playing you guys in the one off, you know, mm-hmm. and and I remember like uh, Mancuso was up front. And we got the scouting report like really wrong on that one. Like it was, it was like, oh, they're playing this guy. Like he's he's not very good. And I think we were almost. I mean, you never look ahead. You know how it is. You never look ahead. But we were like looking ahead. And yeah. uh, and I think he just lit us up, man. And he was someone that like, I mean, yeah, he was like I was always conflicted on. But like for those ten games or whatever, like the end of the regular season, that playoffs, he was like insane. Lights out. Like, yeah. Lights out. Yeah. Well, I, I, I remember one of our, you know, there was a behind the scenes guy that did all the stuff and he, he sent me a text or something about how he's overrated or he wasn't very good. And I occasionally just when I'm like today, I come across it, I'll send him a text like, Hey, you remember that time uh, when you said, and he just doesn't respond. It's just like, like don't even <laughs> oh, that's incredible. but, uh, but no, y'all were, y'all were a good team. And, uh, you know, then, then I, you're only there for a little bit. I mean, did you, did you want to stay there or what were you thinking? Uh, you talk, talk to me about going to Seattle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of those things that like, I remember after the season meeting with their like front office staff and I just, you know, communicated like, Hey, it's been awesome. Um, there's some things both like on the personal side, it'd be nice. Cause like my, I got engaged that off season and like my fiance, like, and now wife wasn't going to be able to work in, in Montreal without like speaking French, which she didn't. Um, so there was like some personal stuff. And then also like from a team playing point of view, like they kind of communicated they wanted to keep playing the same way because it was going to be a similar roster. So I just didn't necessarily think it was the best fit from like a soccer X's and O's point of view. But I was also open, like if nothing worked out, it's not like I said I was never going to come back there. Like I was just like, hey, if, if there's something, like I'd be open to, you know, being traded again. Um, so there was a few different options I kind of was like, I wasn't trying to go anywhere in particular. I just said, Hey, if there's a team that to my agent, like if there's a team that you think from, from a soccer point of view would be a good fit. I'm more than happy to, to explore that. Um, Seattle was like how it worked out, but I wasn't like trying to get to Seattle or anything. <laughs> so you, so you were happy with that move? I was, and it was, it was very different. Um, 
And I'd always like, obviously Seattle was always a team that was on ESPN. So you end up watching a lot of Sounders games. And I thought, wow, it's a cool city from like a soccer perspective. Um, you know, playing in front of 50,000 fans a game was something that was like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but like, it was also interesting because they just won. That was the year I can't, I was coming in in an off season where they just won. So I also realized, hey, there's like a lot of pressure here because they were changing the team quite a bit. But the expectations I'm sure were going to be like, hey, the expectations were going from like nothing in Chicago to all of a sudden a year and a half or a little over a year later. It's like, well, the expectation is to win a championship again. Yeah. Um, so you do feel that like kind of pressure coming into a situation where like at the beginning of it, you're sitting through ring ceremonies and like doing all this stuff where like you weren't part of that team or people were telling you like, Oh, great job last year. And I'm like, I wasn't here last year. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't win. So like that part was weird, but um, from like a culture f- and, and soccer fit point of view, I was, I was really happy with it. Well, just to make you feel better. I did that at DC and at Houston. Where I- <laughs> yeah. So you know so the feeling. They call me the cooler. Um, <laughs> I cooled them off baby. Yeah. But, uh, well, okay. So tell me, Tell me about, I know Schmetzer was, he took over halfway through the year before you got there, but this is really his first coaching, head coaching experience in terms of MLS. The guy's got, you know, tenure way back, but, um, you know, did you enjoy playing for him? He seems like uh, he had nothing but nice things to say about you recently. Um, He seems like a good guy. I I don't know him personally. I mean, tell me about. Yeah, he was, he's someone that um, I think what he does well is he like, knows when to get out of the way and let like I don't think he tries to micromanage at all which I think for a team like we've been the last four years of having like really talented guys also guys that are willing to work hard um I think he he's good at like we're never going to be like the most like x's and o's like prepared team ever but I think guys feel really comfortable when they're in the game that they're in the right position to be successful and I think he lets guys express themselves on the field and and do what they do best. Um, so I think that's something that is probably his biggest strength that like I enjoyed because it kind of gives you like the, the freedom to like not ever like the way I play outside mid is very different than like the way Jordan Morris plays outside mid. So yeah. I think like understanding that and like giving guys a little bit of freedom to figure out within a game how to best impact the game um, is something that I think, you know, again, is something I enjoyed. And then you got there kind of at the end of, uh, of Clint's run. Is that Yes. So we overlapped for like a year and a half. I think he retired like halfway through 2018. And what, what do you think of Clint? I mean, I, I, I know he's, uh, I, I grew up, Clint and I are the same age and, yeah, and yeah. I, I love Clint. I, I think guys are, uh, I was interested to see what they think of Clint. That's all. Yeah. I think he was someone that, I mean, it was different. He was like most of the time I was playing with him, he was kind of battling injuries and like, it was obviously the very end of career. So he was dealing with some, some physical stuff that was tough. Like, and I saw it every day. Um, I think the things that he brought were like that, even in practice every day, like that competitive toughness. Um, and I think I wasn't really used to, and there was a few different guys like you had Ozzy. It was the same way in Seattle. Like you had a few guys that like every day you were going to battle and compete and like hate each other for small sided games and in practice. Um, and then him like too, like he's to this day, the best, in practice finisher I've ever been around. Um, okay. Better than Oduro? <laughs> slightly Sorry, better Dom. than Oduro. Sorry, Dom. I love you. I played with Dom. I can say <laughs> Honestly, that. Mike, Mike McGee is up there too, just in terms of like pure practice finishing. Like those two guys, just the composure in what about, practice. What about Piatti? He was similar, but like I would say he's the best like one-on-one player I've ever been around. Like <laughs> okay. just, just uh, like, uh, yeah, that guy in practice did some crazy things. Um, All right. 
but no, oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed playing with Corinne. And I never really played. And I obviously had watched him for since I was young. Um, so that part was cool. But yeah, he was he, like, yeah, he's a, a different personality and someone that not everyone gets along with. But I do think he taught me some things about how to approach, approach practice from like a competitiveness point of view. Okay. Well, uh, you, you know, you, you, we talk about your Seattle, uh, you know, you kind of sum it up, but you know, you, you were able to, uh, you got close to winning it and then, uh, you, you get there and, and you win it last year. I don't want to, I don't want to get past that, but you yeah. know, I, I think you had some really big personalities on that team, some staples of MLS. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, Chad Marshall in particular, yeah. I was a big, big fan of his over yeah. the course of my career. Um, you know, you had Roman Torres as a, I know he's a personality yeah. and you kind of had some under the radar guys and, and I don't know Rui Diaz. He seems like a little bit under the radar on some level. Um, Lodero seems quiet. Jordan is quiet. Um, you know, what, what did you take away? I know you hung out a lot with Will Bruin, yeah. um, you, know, you know, but you know, tell me about some of the guys on that team that you know, the fans, uh, those, those are the ones that everyone wants to know about. Yeah. Like we had, we definitely had some big personalities. Like you said, like Ramon, Chad, um, I think we had a good mix of that. Like, I don't think you can have a team full of personalities. Um, and I also think we had some guys like, like Jordan, who is like incredibly talented, but also probably like the most humble kid you've ever been around. So I think like having that good balance was something that like led to success. I also think it was like, that was, and it kind of started maybe, the year before but like that team in particular like no matter what the situation of the game was like no one was going to panic like in and like we could have been down three zero and still had full 100 percent confidence that we were going to win the game which is weird like i had never been on a team that's like, a shot at our dc night yeah, it happened didn't oh well, i didn't even realize it was dc well, yeah yeah i'm sure you didn't realize <laughs> that i actually didn't three, three I th- nothing and you scored four goals the funny thing about that is i literally started that game and i was i think i got subbed out like the 50th minute when we were down three zero so i was not a part of that comeback <laughs> well i was on i was watching on the on the bench so yeah. um i was i wasn't happy but and imagine a meltdown uh, yeah, that was the worst case scenario for us yeah i just think we had a bunch of like calm guys that like when things weren't going well like they just had this confidence that it was going to work out um, which also i think comes from the coaching staff a little bit too um so yeah like that was i'd say the difference in that team from any of the other teams i'd been on in my career okay well so uh, we mentioned you went at mls cup uh last year and you, you start this season off mm-hmm. um let's talk about it i mean it's probably one of the weirder things I've seen in, in sports. Um, usually you see it, I've seen it in football uh, with contract stuff, right? It gets, it's, it's dramatic. Uh, this one just, it's a crazy year. I mean, we've got a pandemic going on, no, no sports, no activity. Um, you know, let's talk about why now, uh, what happened to lead to this? To like my, my personal decision? Yes. Yeah. No, you know, it's not to the pandemic. I don't want to get I was like, I don't know. I don't no, know what I'm supposed about, to be. I'm just, I'm just curious as yeah, to yeah. Uh, how it, how it happened with you. Yeah. It was something, um, you know, I kind of always knew when I was, even when I was starting my career a while ago now, like I just knew, like I said, I, I want to do something outside of soccer. And I always thought like going get my MBA was like a way to bridge that gap in order to like to surround myself with, smart people who had came from diverse backgrounds and would allow me a couple years to like figure out exactly what I wanted to do next. So that was kind of always in my, my plans. Um, I studied like a couple years ago, like maybe two years ago or three years ago, I studied for and took the, the GMAT, which is like the, the test to get in and I did well. So I was like, all right, I know 
I can get into a good school with this. Um, and then I, I never really knew what the timing was going to be, but I, I remember coming off of last season, this off season, I was thinking about like, there was a lot of days that year, even though we won a championship where like, I wasn't super happy day to day and I couldn't really figure out why. And I, you know, after thinking about it for a month or two, I kind of realized like I had been like my whole life focus had been soccer and you tried to like get basically maximize your own potential, get to the best you can possibly be. Um, and I'd felt that tangible growth all through high school, college, my first five years in the league, like I felt like I was growing as a player. And then I just felt like as every athlete hits at some point in their life, like you kind of hit that peak or plateau of what you're going to be. And I had like these dreams and like goals that I had set when I was little that like I hadn't reached yet. And like, realistically, they were too big to ever reach. Um, you know, like play for the national team, go, go over to Europe, play in a world cup. And like, for me, I could set these smaller goals of like, Hey, score, I want to score X amount of goals or make X amount of dollars in the next couple of years. But like, for me, those goals that I was thinking about for the next three to five years, like weren't big enough to make me super passionate about like getting up every day and being like, all right, how do I achieve this? How do I do this? So for me, it was kind of like, I realized I wanted to create a new set of dreams and goals and passions that like how do I become the best in the world at something else and like how do I wake up every day as passionate about this as I have been about soccer like for most of my life um and that's not like an easy decision it was something I you know even after I got into schools I like thought about it for you know the one good thing about quarantine was like I really did have three months to to think about what I wanted to do and like whether this was actually a step I wanted to take because it wasn't it wasn't something that was actually easy to like make that final call on. Um, with that being said, like I am super excited for, for that next step and to like figure out what's going to be the thing that I can channel this much like passionate energy um, towards. Okay. Well, yeah, I think it's funny, right? I see a lot of these guys are working on their golf games and you're, <laughs> you've decided to do a whole life change. Um, yeah. And like too, it was something too, like, I was never someone who like played video games or anything. And like, so last year I actually ended up working with my free time. I worked up with a bunch of like tech startups in Seattle through an accelerator, like that was co-funded by Amazon. So I spent a lot of my free time, like every day after practice, I would spend like two to eight every day just working with these tech startups. Um, and it was something that I was like, wow, this is so fun. Like this is cool. And it's something I'd never really had an experience before. So I think that also that experience for, for, you know, six months last year, like gave me this confidence that like, I can be happy doing something else. I don't like, I'm not only going to be happy playing soccer in my life. Um, Cause that was one of those things I, I didn't want to do it, whether it was now or five years from now where I was going to like regret it. Um, and I think I got to the point where like, now I'm very confident that I won't ever regret the decision, even if I miss soccer, because there are going to be days where I definitely miss going to practice and miss being around the guys and miss games. Um, but I don't think I'll ever regret the decision. Yeah. And, and, you know, you bring up an interesting an interesting point and and I, there's more and more guys doing what you've done they don't do it in the middle of the year although yeah. I, I think uh brandon vincent maybe did uh i don't remember if it was in the middle of the year but he he left uh you know i played with a, a former teammate of yours luke michu yeah um and and luke luke was uh promising started playing more and and yeah. second year he decides uh this isn't this isn't something I'm going to do. And I, I was baffled, you know, and I said, why don't you want to do this Luke? And he said, look at you. He said, you know, you're, you're going on like 13 years in the league and you're going to have to start all over um, in business or whatever. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying I can't have a successful career, but yeah. you know, I'm not sure I'll accomplish what you've accomplished and it's not going to get me any closer to 
what I should be doing next level. And he, and he retired. And that was kind of eye-opening for me that guys were, uh, were looking at that that way. Is that, you know, would you say that's kind of accurate if, if guys have other opportunities um, and they are losing a little bit of that desire that you think that'll be more of a normal thing going forward? Yeah, it's hard. Like, I don't know. And I, I try to tell people, like, I don't think my decision is the right decision for everyone. Like, I, I, I think everyone is in their own individual situations. And I think it's a lot of, like, being honest with yourself. One, like, is this something I really want to do long term? And two, like, for me, like, I think for Luke, like, he's one of my best friends. I think if he had played another few years, I think he could have still kept getting better. He was young enough where, like, I don't think he had plateaued as a player. Like, I think for yeah, me, it absolutely. was... Like, I think for me, it was literally like, I'm almost 30 years old. Like, I just, I have these, I have these physical limitations and I felt like I had maximized every ounce of talent, natural talent that I had. Um, and it's also hard, like, until you get to the point where guys are making NBA, NFL money, like, I could have made really good money for the next few years, but it wasn't going to be something that I could retire off of. So, like, at some point I was going to have to do something else. Um so no, I, I do think for certain guys, if they have the ability, like it's, it's great. But I do think it's like up to each individual person to really think long and hard about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we, uh, we talk about your, you are more cerebral than, than most of the guys, uh, I think that played in this league. So it seemed, you know, I don't, I don't doubt for a minute that you've overthought this and, and you're happy with <laughs> anything. Uh, I've with, thought about it too much. No, I think, I think, you know, it's a big decision. And, uh, yeah. and I, I do, I do believe I talk to a lot of guys that have retired. Um, I do believe that guys that retire on their own terms, uh, are much happier than guys yeah. that guys that don't, you know, usually it's a guy not getting a contract and, um, you know, they're getting forced to either go play somewhere they don't want to play or, you know, a lot of guys have big families and yeah. they're telling them, they're telling them, Hey, you gotta go play in the USL. Nothing's guaranteed or, you know, some, there's always some stipulation that, uh, usually ends up, you know, that either the guy plays and he's unhappy or he, or he's unhappy that he didn't get the last contract. So I think in your case, uh, you know, if you make this decision, it's, it's, you have a lot more confidence because it was your choice, not the other way around. Yeah. And I think there like is a situation too, where like if the virus didn't happen, like I could have, I, you know, I, I had a really good first six months of the year. Like there is a situation where I didn't choose this year and I like kicked it down the road a few years. Um, like, I just think with all of what's happened and I'm out of contract at the end of this year. And I just really think it's, I don't think it was going to be a good off season to be out of contract. And I just think like all of those things kind of factored into like me, it like, it was all screaming the same thing. We're like, this is the right year to do it. Okay. Well, well, uh, you know, we talk about MLSPA stuff. You, you were, uh, I think since your first year, you've been, you were working with the, uh, the PA yeah. and, you know, I think it was an interesting off season one yeah. uh, to be a PA guy. Uh, and then obviously with getting ready for this uh, MLS's back tournament, um, what can you tell me? Did that have any influence, uh, any of that? I, I know that some players are just, they're being very, very vocal about their distaste for what's happening. Um, what mm -hmm. are your, what are your thoughts on it? If you, if you feel comfortable sharing yeah, I think, I mean, it sucks because I, you know, this, this last negotiation, cause I was around in the 2015 one and I think there was, and it was just at the beginning of my career. So a lot of it was me just like leaning on info or uh, experiences from other older players. I didn't really have a lot of those personal experiences myself. And I think there was like a sour taste in a lot of guys mouth with how those ended. And I think doing this 2020 negotiation um, and me having like a much bigger role, both within the PA and like, with my club team um 
you know, I was happy with how it, how it turned out. And I think it was partly because the process was like 18 months long. So I think both sides really understood what the other side wanted and we're figuring out how can we make it work from, from both sides. Um, and the unfortunate thing is like, obviously right after that, you're in this global situation where like no good is going to come from it. And, you know, both sides, when you're talking about both reopening the CBA, like a pay reduction and trying to figure out a, a non-ideal return to play. Like no one was going to be happy both from the ownership side and the player side. So you're kind of going into it just saying, look, wow, this is going to be like not ideal results. Um, and I think it was, it was hard. Like there was no way around that. I think there was, you know, a lot of players felt disrespected by, you know, both some of the content of what the league had put out, especially early on. And then also some of the process, like the process stuff of how the league handled things. And I, I do not, like, I'm not going to be, ever like the most vocal guy in the media of you know saying this or that but I do think like I think guys who did do that have every had every right to be upset with um you know how the league handled some things and you know I think ultimately like we got to a situation where it was a a, a deal that guys could live with you know you're not gonna be thrilled about it because you are taking some you know potential or some cut now and potential economic cut in the future but also like it wasn't going to change their lives. And I think that was kind of where we were trying to get to. Um, and the, the tournament, <laughs> again, it was like, I mean, that's honestly why I retired now. Like I was going to do, I, I was going to do it anyway, but I, I just thought, wow, it's like, I don't want to go to Orlando for a month or six weeks or whatever. And then no, I'm going to retire right after that. Like I'd rather come home and spend time with family. Yeah. Um, and I do think there was a lot of guys on our team specifically who like at first had some one medical concerns. Um, and I think those kind of were a little bit more answered as we went on and saw like the medical protocols from both our doctors and their doctors, but also like family concerns for international guys who had families in Seattle that like, they were like, I can't be away for that long and all this stuff. So I think trying to balance those things and not every player being in the same situation. Like there were some guys that were super pumped about going to Orlando. Like, yeah, this is great. I get to, not pay for any meals for a month or six weeks. Like I get to live for free by the pool. Um, and then having some guys that are like very, very opposed to it, uh, was hard to balance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, and that's why I say you see, you see the, uh, some of the guys are voicing their opinions. I think some guys are mad that they're, they're happy they're going down there and back to playing, but they're mad they won't be able to live a social life. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just don't, like, I don't understand, like, in, in, in a perfect world, obviously, like, no one wants to go do this, right? Like, this, like, no one wants to go live in a hotel for six weeks or whatever. But I think given where we're at in the world, and like, our, our also our, our obligation to at least try to make it work to get back to playing games. Um, like, that's why I was at least like, for me personally, I was like, we can't just shut them down and not engage in some sort of process, because like, it is our obligation to at least try to make it work to have us play. If it didn't end up working out because of medical or whatever, like, that's fine. Um, but I do think we had to at least explore the option of, of getting back on the field at some point in 2020. Yeah. No, I, I mean, just I'm, I'm a fan now, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to see the games, but I, I, I also, am, you know, you're seeing now that I don't want to get into the, 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 how it's starting to act up again. You know, and I, yeah. and I think – uh, there's some real concerns with uh, even Florida in general. Like, are no, they gonna, I, uh, yeah, are and they I think like Florida? dealing with the employees on the resort and like there's all these there's like a million issues that you're trying to deal with. And I, yeah, I still get texts like every day from guys that are like, 
you know, concerned about the the Florida thing. And I'm like, I'm not even on the team anymore. Like direct your concerns to someone else. <laughs> oh, well, get used to that. I got, I still get them occasionally. Hey, yeah. do you remember how we dealt with this or that? Or yeah, what's still, I know I'm still going to get, get workers comp, workers comp questions in about five years. Oh yeah. You'll get them. Don't worry. Well, you know, speaking of that, you know, we'll look forward. Um, we didn't talk about this. You're going to get your MBA at, at uh, Northwestern uh, yeah. business school. Um, very highly prestigious school. Um, you know, what, what can we expect? I think, you know, you, you kind of say you're a soft-spoken guy, but you've kind of found your voice, uh, it seems, a little bit recently on social media with some of the Black Lives Matter and, and some of the um, other issues with this country. Um, are we going to see more of that from you going forward for the people that are fans of yours that want to continue to follow you? Yeah, I think it'll be different, right? Because like, I'm going to have a different platform going forward i think like whenever you go from playing to not playing like and that was part of the reason why i felt obligated to like say something is that like this was the last i knew at that point like this is probably the last chance i'm going to have like this platform um so i like everything i try to do in my life i try to be super thoughtful and like i'm not i'm never going to be the first to speak but i want to like accumulate as much information as possible and then give a rational opinion on things and i think that is something like the black lives matter stuff in general is something I'm, I'm really passionate about because I've been, like I said, in the thing, like I've experienced privilege to the nth degree my entire life. Like I grew up in a place that was predominantly white. I went to school at a place that was predominantly white. Like soccer was always my way out of that, but without soccer, like I probably would have been ended up in an industry that was predominantly white. So like I have this, um, I've had these experiences with people that haven't been in the same bubble that I have through soccer, um, both pre-professionally and professionally. So it's just something that I've always deeply cared about and trying to bring that back to like, you know, if I go to business school or end up in a, in a business, like trying to bring some of those things that are important to me back to, to them. And when I'm in a position of power someday, like actually making real tangible difference is something that is hundred percent going to be, you know, top of my mind. All right. Well, uh, well, I think that's awesome, man. I think, uh, you know, there aren't, there aren't a lot of guys that are taking a stand on, on that. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's noteworthy. And, and, you know, I, I, I always say, regardless of whether people agree with you or don't, and this is, I call this my Jeff Cameron defense. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily agree with uh, what a lot of people say or what everyone says, but I yeah. do, I do think it's important that guys have a, you know, a forum where they can say their opinion and not get ostracized yeah. for it. And, um, you know, I think in your case, you're, you're very eloquent in how you say it. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's good, man. And I, and I wish more guys would do it. Um, but I hope, you know, I hope going forward that we do see more from, from Harry ship as opposed to, you know, I, I say when, when I retired, right, there were people that hated me when I played usually Chicago or new England or New York Red Bull fans or Dallas fans. Right, a, lot, a lot of my own fans hated me, so it's good. Well, no, no, but but I think now you know it is is you're you're an alum, you know, a really really fresh off the yeah. out of the out of the gate alum, but um, you know, and I think a lot of people will they care about your opinion because you can kind of you've seen it and and you've experienced it. So yeah. I hope that going forward, you know, you don't you know you feel like uh, I think people will be more. Uh, in tune with what you're saying from all teams, you know, maybe not Portland. Cause I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll <laughs> I, ever get not, I can say it now. I have nothing against Portland. So yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> they, they have something against you just because you played for Seattle, but, um, but no, I, I appreciate you taking the time today. I wish yeah. you nothing but luck um, going forward, man. I, I think it's, it's, uh, I, I'm excited for you. I think you have a great opportunity and 
you know, anytime uh, someone kind of does something we're not used to seeing, it, it catches our attention. And, um, you know, I appreciate you making time today. I know that there aren't a whole lot of uh, uh, places where, you, you know, you've been kind of stayed away from being in front of the camera. So I, I appreciate you taking the time and being in front of it today with us. Yeah, no, this was easy. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, well, thanks again. And uh, that's Harry Ship, everybody. Thank you for listening to Play By Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.